Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me, and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode, and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, it's Heather Creekmore. I am so glad you're listening today. We're going to finish up a two-part series on 50 ways to stop comparing. And if you listen to the last episode, I am rapid fire just shooting out quickly as possible these 50 different strategies for you to stop comparing. Now, today's list includes a few more strategies that are practical things that you might want to actually do. So if you have something to write with, if you're not driving, uh, you might want to jot these down or know that there will be an attachment either attached to this podcast file or on my blog where you can find this list and reference it. So today we're going to start with number 23. We made it to 22 in the last episode. Number 23, acknowledge when you're most tempted to compare. You see, friends, we can't find our way out of these issues until we stop and acknowledge when and where these issues are happening most. So what I like to do, what I like to encourage women I work with to do is to start paying more attention. Pay attention to how you feel. Like, I know a lot of times for me, I can be kind of cruising through my day and feel just fine, and then something will happen, and all of a sudden, my mood, my insides will just feel jumbled. And what I've learned to do through many years of counseling is to stop and figure out why I feel that way. Stop and pay attention. Okay, I no longer feel peaceful. What is disrupting that peace? And what I think is helpful is in the context of comparison, when you start to feel those comparison feelings coming on, stop and acknowledge them. Figure out, okay, what is it that's disrupting my peace right now? Oh, it's comparison. And then this leads to number 24. I want you to start to write a list of those times when you feel, and we're going to call it triggered, when you feel triggered to compare yourself to others. Does this happen to you when you're watching television, when you're driving and see billboards, when you're scrolling Instagram? Yes, it happens there. You you can write that one down without even. But when do you feel triggered to compare? When does this happen the most? write those down. Number 25, cut out these triggers for 21 days. Okay. So if you feel triggered to compare yourself to the worship leader at church, okay, don't cut out church for 21 days and see if you feel different. But to the extent that you can cut out triggers for three weeks, they say it takes about three weeks to break a habit. So stop scrolling Instagram for three weeks or stop watching television or stop watching those shows that trigger you on television for three weeks. And write down how you feel. Maybe write down how you feel each week or each day if you're a journaler and see how cutting out these triggers can change this part of your life. Now, if you're tempted to 
compare yourself at work or some other place that you can't cut out, again, that's okay. But cut out the triggers that are optional for your life and see how you feel after three weeks without them. Number 26, stop and be mindful, okay? So this this kind of goes along with paying attention to how you feel. But ask yourself, when you feel yourself comparing, how did I feel earlier today? How do I feel now that I've compared myself to whomever it is? Ask yourself what aspect of yourself you're comparing. And then ask yourself what lie you're believing about your value, what lie you're believing about your worth. Because here's what happens I've found with women I've worked with and in myself is that if I find myself comparing something, and I'm just going to use weight as an example because that's one that I think a lot of us struggle with. But if I find myself comparing my weight or my size to the size of other women, what I have to stop and realize is that there's a lie I'm believing about my value that's happening every time I do that. I am believing that my value is directly connected to my size. And when I look at someone else, I compare myself to someone else, and I assess her as being better off than I am because she has a smaller size, then I am actually making the statement that I have less value because I am a different size than she is. And it's not true, but acknowledge those things and it will help you kind of deconstruct comparison's grip on your life. Number 27, see comparison as a thief. Okay, so we've all heard the cliche, comparison is the thief of joy. I honestly don't think thief is a harsh enough image. I think we need to see comparison as a a lion that wants to kill and destroy us, right? But inventory what this thief has stolen from you. What has comparison stolen from you? Like, have you decided not to pursue a dream because you've compared yourself to other people and decided that, you know, maybe you fall short? I know personally, I started to write a book on comparison. This is irony here, folks. And As I started, like literally writing the first page of my book on comparison, I got an email. Never check your email when you're writing a book, but I got an email and it was about a brand new book on comparison. And seriously, within 10 minutes, I was like, why bother? I don't need to write this book. Someone else has written a book on comparison and she's more famous than I am. And her book's already out. My book's not going to come out for years. Like, why should I even bother? And I closed my notebook and was like, well, forget it. I guess I won't write this. But then over the course of the next hour, two hours, God started working on my heart and reminded me of the truth that comparison is a thief, right? And, And the irony that I would compare myself to others and not write a book on comparison. I mean, there's just too many levels there to go into. But but God reminded me of the truth that I did have a unique voice and he wanted me to write this book and I was called to write this book. And so I needed to write the book no matter what other people had put out. Number 28, understand joy in a way that comparison can't touch. And I did an episode on joy in the first season. Go back and listen to it if you haven't, because I thought it was a pretty good way to think about joy and how so many of us lack joy in our lives, right? I think what happens in the realm of comparison is that we believe that we'll get more strength, maybe more internal strength, more self-confidence or fortitude of character, that strength will come from getting those things that we admire in other people, accomplishing those things that they accomplish or getting to the size that they are, if you want to talk about it, more of a body image uh, realm. But understand that real strength doesn't come from meeting those earthly goals. Real strength comes, Nehemiah tells us, from 
the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It doesn't come from winning. It doesn't come from being the best. It doesn't come from being a little better. It doesn't come from meeting all of our goals for ourselves. Real strength comes from joy. Okay. And one way to increase your amount of joy is to practice gratitude. Um, another way is to just pursue joy every day, like take a joy moment each morning and say, okay, what do I have to be thankful for? Like, why should I have joy today? And I think if you stop and make a list of things you have to be thankful for, think about the ways that God has blessed you. I think that will reframe the way you look at the rest of your day, right? Then the rest of your day, you can look at through eyes of gratitude instead of through eyes of lack. Number 28, write a vision statement for a comparison-free life. Okay, this one might sound a little fluffy, but if you've ever done any coaching or um, training in like the business realm, a lot of times they say a corporation, a new startup business especially, is not going to be successful unless they have a vision statement for what they want their business to be. Well, I think this applies to ourselves and our lives, right? If you want to have a comparison-free life, one thing I think you can do that's helpful is write a vision statement. What would it look like if my life was comparison-free? What would I do if I wasn't worried about what other people thought or how I was doing in comparison to other people? Like, what would I accomplish? Write a vision statement of what your life would look like. Number 29, I want you to understand perfectionism, right? Perfectionism is not your friend, okay? And you probably know this. I mean, this isn't like a news flash. People talk about how evil perfectionism is all the time and no one can be perfect and, you know, stop trying to be perfect and all that stuff. But here's the truth. Those of us who struggle with perfectionism really just struggle with fear, right? We're afraid that if we don't do everything right, then someone will see through us, right? They will see the chinks in our armor. They will see the flaws in us and we won't be accepted. So really grappling with perfectionism is really just stopping and looking at your life and saying, what areas of my life am I still afraid in? In what areas of my life am I still fearful that I won't be accepted, that I'm not enough, right? So maybe your perfectionism is related to your body image. Maybe you feel like if you don't look a certain way, you won't be accepted. You won't be loved enough by your husband. You won't find a boyfriend, whatever it may be. Or maybe your perfectionism is at work. Maybe you feel like you will not be accepted or promoted or even acknowledged in your workplace unless you do things perfectly. So stop and and really look at the fear beneath your perfectionism and then realize I love the verse that says perfect love casts out all fear, right? So those of us who struggle with perfectionism struggle with fear. How do you cast fear out? Well, it's not by being perfect. It's by acknowledging that Jesus loves us with a perfect love. Okay, number 30, stop idealizing, idolizing yourself. Okay, friends, we all have this ideal of who we think we should be, who we want to be in our head. Okay, and I spend a lot of time in my new book on this, so I'm not going to go into all the details here. But friend, I want you to realize today that sometimes we get stuck comparing ourselves to that ideal self we have in our head, that ideal image we carry around in our head. And there's really no good reason for it. Okay. There's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with wanting to improve ourselves. But when we carry the burden of better, when we carry this, I'm not measuring up to my own ideals thing. We kind of make self and those ideals we have for ourselves. We make those our God. We start to follow what they say we need to do or what they say we need to be instead of looking 
to scripture and finding out what God wants us to do and be. Stop idealizing, idolizing yourself and the grip of comparison in terms of compared to me, compared to who I want to be, that grip will start to release. We'll tackle the rest of the list right after this break. Are you tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out compareedtowho.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. Number 31, some of you aren't going to see immediately how this relates to comparison, but trust me on this one. I want you to learn how to rest. Practice a Sabbath day where you take a day of rest. Now, if you have kids, if you have a family, if you've got a house, if you've got a job, I get it. It's hard to take a full Sabbath day, but learning how to rest well, learning how to put work aside and find time for quiet, time to just take a walk outside or take a nap or just do an activity you enjoy. It's so important for our mental health. It's really important for our well-being. And what I found is the more stressed out we are, the more likely we are to compare. When we can rest and find that time of quiet, find that time of peace, it's more likely that we're going to be able to recognize and hear when comparison creeps in so we can fight it better. I mean, we all know you don't fight well when you're tired. So resting is important to winning the comparison battle. Number 32, understand that contentment and happiness are not the same thing. You can be content in all circumstances. Scripture tells us to do this, so we know it has to be possible, right? God doesn't set things up for us to fail, right? That's not the kind of God he is. So if Paul tells us we can be content in all circumstances, know that it's possible we can be content in all circumstances. But I think what happens is we confuse the word contentment with happiness. And happiness is a little bit elusive, right? Because there are things that we think will make us happy. And if you're like me, you've gotten those things or you've experienced those things and you're like, oh, that didn't really make me as happy as I thought it would. I I have this picture of us at uh, Disney World and I was about eight months pregnant with our fourth child. We had four kids, four and under, and we were going to the happiest place on earth. And I had spent months, literally months, talking to my oldest who has some anxiety issues about new things. And we had watched videos on Disney World and we were excited to go meet Buzz Lightyear and I had prepared him so it would be a good experience for him. And we walk into that park, y'all, and this picture just its tells it's more than a million words, right? Because the look on my oldest son's face is just a scowl. My daughter could care less. We're all like sweating and we'd only been in the park for like 10 minutes. I've got this big pregnant belly and I'm holding a baby who really doesn't care or know where he's at. It just reinforces to me how I thought, you know, oh, once we get to Disney World, it's just going to be this happy day and, you know, happiest place on earth, right? 
And that's it's not the same as contentment, right? Happiness is elusive. Happiness goes up and down. Our, our happiness meter can, can fluctuate faster than the weather, right? But contentment comes from a place that knows that only Jesus can really, truly meet our needs. He's the only one that can fill our heart's desires. It doesn't come from all the things and all the experiences and, and all of our goals being met. It comes from him alone. Number 33. Stop idealizing and idolizing others. And we talked about this a bit in the last episode, but what I tend to do is I tend to think that I'm the only one with my problems and I have to shut that voice up and say, no, that's not true. I know that's not true. In fact, part of the reason why I do this podcast and do my blog and write my books is because I feel very much called to share some of my crazy with you because I know I've seen and I've heard through your through your emails and your messages to me that you share some of the same crazy and I found that the more honest I am about this crazy the more messages I get saying I thought I was the only one who thought that way doing that is an exercise for me in recognizing the truth that scripture tells us that we're all kind of the same. Like the human experience is is pretty similar. And when we idealize and really idolize others, we project all these untruths onto them. We, we assume that they don't struggle, right? Maybe it's they have that attribute that we've always wanted, like they're thin or they look like a model. And then we assume, well, they don't struggle with anything else in their life because they have that. And it's just not true. In some ways, friends, that's objectification. We objectify them. We see them not as human, okay? The human existence is one of struggle. So if you know someone, <laughs> you know someone who struggles. Okay, so we need to stop idealizing and idolizing others, which is really one big reason why we compare ourselves to others is we think that they have the thing we want and they are better off. And it's just not true. Number 34, excavate your expectations. Okay, and then number 35 is escape your expectations. But expectations will get you in trouble every time. Okay, so stop. If you're feeling frustrated with a situation, stop and say, what did I expect? What expectations am I clinging to that I feel are letting me down right now? Were those realistic expectations? Do I have a reason to really be upset here or did it just kind of set myself up for the fall? Number 36, explore your old names and see how you see yourself. Okay, this is a really important one. We all have names from our childhoods, from our past that we have clung to. Maybe at some point someone called you dummy or someone called you the fat girl or someone called you worthless. There are names that people have put on us that we tend to keep. But here's the truth, and this is number 37. God reinvents our identity. God gives us a new name. He calls us righteous. He calls us blessed. He calls us his. He adopts us as his own. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about what are those old names that you cling to? What are those old identities that you haven't yet surrendered to God and accepted? I don't know, a good way to think about this, you know, those like, hello, my name is name tags. You had a name tag that might have said worthless on it. Whatever that mean, hurtful thing was that you hold on to, that's what was written on your name tag. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to rip up that name tag and you get a new name tag and your new name tag has that new name that God has for you on it, right? It's child of God. It's his beloved. It's whatever name he speaks to your heart that resonates to you that lines up with scripture. Of course, God has given you a new name. 
see your identity through his eyes, not through the eyes of that old name. Okay, number 38, improve your Christ esteem, not your self-esteem. And by that, I mean that the more we focus on ourself and liking ourselves more and loving ourselves more, like we talked about in episode two, the more we talk about esteeming ourselves, trying to improve our self-esteem, the more stuck in comparison we will get. Because our measure for how well we're doing when we're thinking about self-esteem is ourself, how well we think we are doing ourselves. And what we normally do to measure that is we look around at how other people are doing and determine whether or not we are doing well ourselves, okay? Or if you don't look around at other people to determine how well you're doing, then you think about those ideals, those idols that you have for yourself and you measure yourself according to whether or not you're meeting those ideals. All that to say, self-esteem is just a big old trap. What you need more of is Christ-esteem, okay? You need to esteem Jesus as greater, Jesus as more, Jesus's opinion as more important than even your own opinion of yourself. Okay, the best way to do that, number 39, is to feed yourself well spiritually. A starving soul will look for nourishment from comparison. So don't be a starving soul. Read your Bible daily. Pray every day. Read good books that feed you biblical truth, not that feed you a bunch of Christianized self-esteem hype, right? It's not about you. It's not about you. At the end of the day, it's not about us. It's not about me. And the more I make it about me, the more miserable I feel. It's just the truth, friends. The more I sit thinking about me and wondering about me, the more I just go inward into depression, into anxiety, into worry. The only way I find freedom is when I spend more time thinking about Jesus, thinking about who he is, thinking about the truth of scripture, thinking about how safe, how loved, how valued I am through him alone. That's what frees me. Number 40, understand that getting what she has won't make you happy. Okay, this is kind of a tough one. We've covered it just a little bit so far, but I want to just point it out that unless we stop and intellectually understand that even if we had that car, even if we had that body, even if we had that job, even if we had that brand new remodeled kitchen, there would always be something else. Getting that doesn't make us happy. And if you don't believe me, friends, what I want you to do is I want you to either have children or borrow someone's children just for a couple days around Christmas time. I'm sure their families won't mind. And see what happens. It's amazing. So kids will spend weeks, months, if they're my kids, writing lists of what they want for Christmas, all the things that they desire. And then on Christmas morning, they open them up and they've got all the things they desire. And in our house, it's Lego sets. And buy about 5 p.m. on Christmas Day, all those Lego sets are put together. And you know what happens? A couple days later, my kids end up getting Christmas money from, from grandparents that are far away. They're like, they need to use this money to go buy other things that they want. They just got all these presents and they're still not happy. They still need just this one more set to make them happy. And then a couple months later, one of them has a birthday and they need a whole new crop of things to keep them happy. And the birthday ends and, and then there's a catalog that comes out and they need a whole new crop of things to keep them happy. We think it's ridiculous when we observe this behavior in kids, but friends, we do it ourselves too. Like as soon as I get 
get that new house, I'll be happy. No, you won't. As soon as I get that promotion at work, I'll be happy. No, probably not. You got to be happy right where you're at. And again, not confuse happiness with contentment. You really need to be content right where you're at. And that's the way to, to know securely you're not looking to other things to feed your contentment. You're looking to Jesus alone to keep you content. Number 41, don't give up. And this, <laughs> I feel like I have to say this because some people's personalities, I have a child like this, are like, this is too much. This is too hard. I can't take this anymore. I give up because here's the thing. I don't want you to give up because apathy doesn't cure comparison. Not caring about comparison is not the way to find freedom from comparison. Okay, you've got to own it, friend. And I know we all kind of express ourselves in different ways, personality-wise, but um, taking the apathetic approach is not going to help it. You need to take an active approach to your comparison. Call it out, acknowledge it, see it for what it is. Write down your triggers, know how you're feeling and why, and and do the hard work in your heart to free yourself from comparison. Number 42, change the narrative in your head appropriately, okay? So I don't mean like looking in your mirror and saying, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, doggone it, people like me, so I don't have to compare myself to others. That's not what I mean. I mean, talk to yourself using the truth of scripture, not like truisms, like I am enough, okay? The truth of scripture says a whole lot more than these truisms ever could. You can't pep talk yourself out of comparison, but you can allow God to change your heart, which will eventually change your head, the renewing of the mind is what was God talks about, Paul talks about in Romans. We need to renew our minds, and that is done through reading scripture. Number 43, fast from your mirror, okay? So this kind of is more for those of you that have body image struggles, but if comparison is your poison and body image is your beast, okay, try not looking in your mirror so much. Okay, it doesn't have to be a complete fast. Like after you brush your teeth, you might want to check your face, make sure you don't have toothpaste all over your chin. If you wear makeup, you know, you need a mirror for that. You got to check your hair out, you know, make sure you match, make sure you don't have anything weird sticking out (laughs) from whatever you're wearing. I get all that. To me, a mirror fast is only looking in the mirror as much as necessary. Okay, you can give yourself a time limit if that helps you. For me, it's not lingering in front of the mirror. You see, the older I get, the more I found that the longer I stay in front of the mirror, looking into the mirror, the more I find to be discontent about. So for example, I don't know how many of you over the age of 40 are starting to get that little bit of extra chin underneath your chin, that little gooseneck thing going on. Yeah, got it here. I will stand in front of the mirror and I will stare at that. And then the whole rest of the day, I'll be looking at other people's chins like, oh, she has it. Oh, she doesn't have it. It's just not helpful, friends. So the best thing I found for me is to not spend too much time lingering in front of that mirror, to take a mirror fast of sorts. And I find that the rest of the day goes a whole lot better because I'm not comparing a certain body part to a certain body part of other people around me. Number 44, remember this. This is really important, you guys. If God can meet your biggest need and your biggest need is for salvation, right? Your biggest need is for your eternity to be secure in him. Then he can meet every other need on earth that you have. And that, my friend, eliminates a fear of lack, a fear of not having enough. I love how Acts 20, 24 kind of goes along with this, but reminds us that it's not about us, right? And Acts 20, 24 says, nothing moves me. I don't count my life dear unto myself, but finish my course. Don't count your life too dear to yourself. It's not about you. Okay, number 45, do an unforgiveness protocol. Now, you might think we just took a like crazy turn, but 
let me encourage you that if you're stuck in comparison, sometimes we get trapped in things because of stuff in our past that we haven't quite dealt with. So there's, un- you can Google unforgiveness protocol. If I can find a good one, I'll attach it to this podcast or to the blog post that goes with this podcast. But in an unforgiveness protocol, you kind of go back through your history and you think about people in your life that perhaps you haven't fully forgiven. When I did this a couple of years ago, it was really enlightening because I thought just I'd you know, kind of done a blanket, like I forgive them kind of thing, but I hadn't really processed some of the things that had happened to me. And stopping and doing this unforgiveness protocol and really acknowledging the hurt that had happened and also acknowledging that I needed to forgive specific people, people that I don't even see or have communication with anymore, was really important and really helpful for me to find freedom in a lot of different areas. Number 46, pretty similar, is do a fear inventory. And I found one online that I'll attach. But what are you afraid of, right? I think that kind of links into paying attention to your triggers, paying attention to who you compare yourself to, paying attention to why you compare yourself. But what are you afraid of? Um, a fear inventory will help you narrow that down. Number 47, similar, I want you to write down the lies that you hear. We all hear a certain set of lies in our head. Your lies might say you are too lazy, that you should be doing better, that you are not good enough. Whatever those specific words are that the enemy whispers in your ear, I want you to write them down because it's important to give them light, right? Normally they just exist in your head, but it's important to give them light, air them out. And then what I want you to do is I want you to find scripture that you can put right beside them that speaks the truth. The enemy tells you you're not good enough. What does God say about you? Write that truth right beside it. Number 48, write your identity statement. Who are you? What are you really about? What is your purpose on this earth as you see it so far? These things can help you stop comparing when you know why you're here, what you're really about. Not that you know what you're going to do for the rest of your life or what God has planned for the rest of your life. Of course, you don't know those things. Why are you here and what has God called you to do right now in this season? Write that out as an identity statement and that will help you stay on your own track and keep your eyes off the tracks of other people. Number 49, change your scorecard to count the points that matter. Okay. The points that matter are, have you done what it is that God has asked you to do for today? The points that matter are not the number of likes on social media. They're not the number on the scale. It's whether or not you have done what it is Jesus has asked of you for today. Number 50, find accountability. Be honest in your relationships. Confess to other friends when you compare and that friend will help you compare less. I promise you. We did it. We made it through all 50. I know that was super fast and some of you are probably your heads are spinning, but let me encourage you, you can go back and you can read them or you can listen to this again. But my goal is not for you to grab all 50 and start changing your life, applying all 50 of these right now. My hope was that you would listen to this entire list and that God would bring to your attention certain of these suggestions as ones that you need to start incorporating right away. Maybe it's three, maybe it's seven, maybe it's 10 of them that you need to start applying. I pray that God will use some of them to speak to your life, speak to your heart, and help free you from comparison. Thanks so much for listening. That's all for today's episode. I hope it'll help you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. 
Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.